a Pulp MX Network production. With your support of our sponsors, we have reached over 800 podcasts and counting. Click that Amazon banner on Pulp MX to help us out. Donate via Patreon if it suits you. And as always, support your moto addiction by buying from our sponsors. It's the Steve Mathis Show on RacerX.com. Presented by Fox Racing. The original moto podcast. Featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome, everybody, to the Racer X podcast presented by Fox Racing. Thank you for listening. I'm Steve Mathis. Fox Racing, foxhead.com. Visit your local authorized Fox dealer. If your dealer doesn't carry Fox, perhaps it's time to switch up. The global innovation leader in motocross racewear, continuing the relentless pursuit to innovate and elevate. That's Fox Racing. Ryan Dungey, Kenny Roxon, just some of the guys that wear Fox. And, of course, they've stood the time forever, so you guys know what Fox is all about. Please check them out. Also, too, um... The Racer X Podcast, did you know that Monthly Magazine offers up the Monthly Magazine offers up to 100% original content and photos you won't find on the internet? The May issue coming out right, right now includes a story by myself about the parents staying, staying involved in professional sons' careers. Blake Wharton wrote about a piece about the U.S. Armed Forces, and uh, Chad Reed, Jorge Lorenzo, go flat tracking. Digital subs are $9.98. The print sub is $19.98. So go to RacerX online slash subscribe. Sign up now. All right, with me on the line is a guy that, uh, one of the uh, better guys back in the day, we had him out to uh, ride a Project 88 YZ250, and I thought we'd call him up and talk to him about that, talk to him about his days signing with Yamaha. He is two-time 125 national champion, Mickey Diamond. What's up, Mickey? How are you? I'm doing well. I'm a little surprised to get the call about uh, <laughs> the Project 88. Well, thing, but uh, yeah, it was, it was it was really fun. Yeah, Thanks. thank you. No, thank you. Here's the here's the deal. So I got the, I was I built a '90 Cowie 250, and I've always wanted one of those. I looked for one of those. I searched for one of those because I always thought they were pretty radical at the time. They had the perimeter frame, and you know they looked really cool. So I wanted one of those. Well, the 88 YZ, a guy contacted me from Alaska and said, if you pay for shipping, you can have it. And I'm like, well, I didn't really want to build an 88 YZ250, but I'm like, they did look kind of cool, and let's do that. So I had the same idea about doing it, um, building it and having somebody ride it, and honestly, you were the first guy I thought of. Now, Bradshaw was my hero when I was a kid. I'm a little younger than you, and but Bradshaw barely rode the 88, and he rode 125 anyways. So I was thinking about who can ride this thing, and I'm like, well, it's got to be Diamond, because at the time, Mickey, in 88, I mean, you were a two-time 125 national champion. And before we talk about the bike, let's talk a little bit about th- that time at Yamaha for you. And I was like, let's, who can ride this thing? You were the hottest free agent sign for signing. Everybody wanted you. You had ridden with RJ, maybe even beat RJ, like, in the fall of 87. And, you know, you showed that you were an up-and-coming guy. Um, so for you, choosing Yamaha in 88, it was a big deal. And... uh what about that process? What do you remember about going to Yamaha after two years at Honda? Um, well, I didn't really want to leave Honda. I just right. um, I didn't have a lot of options. Um, and 
they were down. Everybody was downsizing mm-hmm. during those years. Um, that was like kind of the end of the big teams. I mean, I remember seeing Honda's team, and there's like nine guys on it. And uh, right. um, when they um, started to eliminate that um, 500 class and the outdoor series was losing its, um, I don't know, the, the, the focus wasn't mm-hmm. outdoors anymore. It was a supercross. And, right. Um, so the downsizing of all those teams kind of put it like, hey, this is, you got, you got to go somewhere else. Um, Yamaha was actually the most um, persuasive deal that mm-hmm. I, that, that I was able to, um, to get and I was lucky to get it. I thought uh, um, that that time was uh, was kind of scary because you know I, I was still pretty much a, every everybody that was just a racer at that time grew up as you know living in that glass house. Mm-hmm. It was a motorcycle racer and um, so knowing business and and education and right. all those things that I probably should have spent my time pursuing I was I was only focused on motorcycle racing and it and it was pretty stunner really to um to get dropped in a sense. Yeah. Uh, from Honda. So um when I moved over to Yamaha it was like um there was hope and, and I had some faith that it was gonna work out and be great because uh, there was a team that wanted me and I wanted uh I wanted to to do well with them and and um, and actually I think I was I was probably a faster rider than than uh, than RJ but RJ was just really solid and committed and fit and and determined um, if I had like maybe thirty percent uh, of his uh, determination and his grit (laughs) my career would have been a lot different but uh um going to yamaha at the time was kind of exciting and um yeah well yeah the the, there was the rule of course if you won two 125 national championships you were kicked out of that class and that's where you what's exactly what you had done uh coming over from husqvarna and honda i mean they just if you'd been able to keep in 125s, you would have you would have stayed there, I think, because they just picked up George Holland. They needed a 125 rider, and you weren't allowed to ride the class anymore. So, yeah. Um, well, it was it was a in a sense it was kind of a business decision. They they had to um, uh, they couldn't just have two 250 riders and and not a 125 guy, mm-hmm. and they had the best 250 rider that would put up the best results ever. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so see ya. I had to <laughs> I had to go on, but uh Did um, you did you were I I don't know, maybe Cowie was, was pretty set with Dogger and Wardy, but did Suzuki also make an offer and, and maybe even KTM, I don't know. Like you, you were a big deal to, to get, you know? Um I you know, I didn't talk with a whole lot of people. I had um I had a European offer and that that was uh, the only other one that was was like a possibility. Okay. But, um, uh, the other ones were, you know, it was pretty fast. When I went over and started talking with Yamaha, it was pretty fast. Yeah, um, they wanted you. The process yep. to uh, to get on there. Um, 
and you know it was uh it, <laughs> i i'm just trying to reach back and think of like <laughs> some detail but uh um as far as i can remember it was a pretty mm-hmm. it was a pretty good situation moving over there um and and I, I wasn't really a big fan of of how the bike worked. I liked the the motor of the bike. Mm-hmm. Um, the first test that I had on the bike, I was like, "Wow, um, Honda's pretty much got a huge advantage." Um, and I never I never really rode Yamaha's one twenty five. And, and in fact, I never rode a Supercross on a one twenty five. Yeah, didn't yeah. Do it that way back then, but um, so. Coming over from 125 to 250, mm-hmm. um, it wasn't it wasn't such a, a big uh, step like it is now for right. lights guys to go to 250 or to 450. Mm-hmm. Um, I you know it's mostly psychological anyway, but I think that um, that that time it wasn't as big of a jump as it is now. So uh, did you uh, did you get a three year deal from Yamaha? I actually signed a one-year deal. Oh wow! And okay, yeah, I only signed like I, it was a quick turnover, and yep. this was the time when you know the agent that I had. He was a real idiot <laughs> since I was the agent. <laughs> I didn't have one, so right, um, right. I didn't have any help. I just went in. Yeah, you're gonna pay me to ride. Yeah, cool, sweet, <laughs> awesome. Here, I'll sign right there, and then we're racing. So yeah, um, different times, man. Uh, yeah, yeah. I didn't. Uh, I didn't negotiate much. Mm-hmm. In fact, I don't. I don't know that I did at all. I think I looked at the deal and said, "That's pretty good. I'll take it." <laughs> and um, I just remember, like, I, like at that time, reading magazines and everything. Like, you were, like, "Hey, this guy's going to challenge RJ. He's got two national titles, so you know he can ride outdoors really well." Um, you know, where's he going to go? He's he's the biggest signing. Like, I'm surprised that it was just a one year deal, and you went over there and. Like I thought it'd be more of a bidding war for you. You were the hottest thing back then. Um, I, you know, I think, <laughs> I think at the time, and I don't know if it's nowadays either, but um, the the managers of the team or the owners of the team, the head guy yeah. at Honda, mm-hmm. head guy at Yamaha, they're communicating, and it's not like, uh, you know, there's nothing uh, dirty going on there where they're mm-hmm. trying to manage the. Uh, the, the prices that these riders get paid, I think that they're just communicating so they know and um, mm-hmm. yeah, they know where to start. And uh, you know, that's wouldn't that was su- yeah, wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, um, that, I, you know, I'm, I'm sure that was going on because it was just brought up later. You know, mm-hmm. um, but um, I I think that. Um, the way that the economy was back then, um, Japan and, and America, uh, I think the, the the growing pains of establishing, you know, the teams into the mm-hmm. uh, '90s was uh, was having some challenges and and stuff. So, um, you know, when I was without representation and was probably a pretty bad time to, to not have somebody looking out <laughs> yeah, for me. Yeah, for sure. Um, also, too, uh, uh, did you ride the 80, 87 then? Would you ridden an 87, or did you get the, your hands on an 88 before you signed? Um, 
my original uh, departure from Honda, they let me have the later part of the year, um, maybe November, December, mm-hmm. and I rode it. I rode the the the, the race bike from Stanton. Oh, okay, yeah, and and. I think the motor was good, but I really was not impressed at all with the, the handling of the bike mm-hmm. and the, the balance of it. Um, and I know that, I mean, in the 88, that bike was had a good motor, but yeah. the, the linkage was horrible. And um, I think it may compete with, remember when KTM had just like the, the swing arm and the yeah, no, shock was bolted. Right, no link. Arm. Yeah, they had no link. It was it was about as progressive as that. And I you know I think you can look at the numbers of that linkage and that mm-hmm. that handling of that bike was was really nasty. You know, and mm-hmm. um, I didn't uh, I didn't really um, figure out. We didn't figure out how to make that thing really work like the other bikes did. It was right. not as bad indoors as it was outdoors. Because the outdoor series, I wanted to race to those guys, but man, I was I was on the ground a lot in the beginning right. with with the Yamaha, and um, it just was uh, it was tough to make that thing work. And, and we we started to develop the upside down forks, and that that was a process too that was give and take. I mean, it was better. In a lot of areas, and then it was worse in other ones. So um. yeah, when you look at photos of you that year, and I looked at a lot of photos building this bike, there's I would say seventy five percent, not even I'd say fifty percent of the photos you have upside downs, and fifty percent of the time you have conventional forks. Like it was, uh, it seemed like you guys were swapping here and there. Um, I, you know, I I don't really recall like how much how mm-hmm. much we were going back and forth, but there was some. Um, I think parts were also limited and, um, and then to try to just, I, I think I whined a lot in the beginning (laughs) and, and they, and actually Yamaha kind of appreciated it. Like, Hey, give us everything. Give us, give us the straight. They were, huh? Yeah. What you think. And, and, um, and that all, you know, that went, that went not so far, you know, (laughs) um, uh, I know that. You know, I know Brock, Brock Glover, he appreciated it because I think he'd been, um, <laughs> right. he'd been, he'd been yeah. preaching to the choir for, for quite a while and, and was frustrated and, and they were frustrated, you know, um, they were, you know, that, that team really wanted to have more, um, success than, than they were able to get. And mm-hmm. I think they're. Um, they really worked hard, and I, you know, I, they just didn't have the support from Japan. I think mm-hmm. at that time that that Honda was getting Honda was, you know, Honda. You you had tests set up once or twice a week, and there was there was there was parts that came, and they made improvements pretty much every time. That's what you were telling me um, when we were riding. Yeah, like you were tested. You tested so much with Honda. You just it was always yeah. something. You were you were always there was always something that was made to improve the bike that you had to go out and test and uh, and testing was pretty high on the I mean you, your your percentage of success in like improvement testing was pretty high like mm-hmm. at least eighty percent you know when you went out 
at least 80% of the time you came back faster and better and, and the bike was better. So, um, Yamaha on the other hand, didn't have that, uh, that depth that those guys had. And, and it was, it was frustrating for everyone. I think, um, at times that we weren't, uh, mm-hmm. we weren't having that same success that those guys were. Yeah. And, Glover tells a story of trying wanting to uh, put on a pro circuit cylinder and and trying to get the motor a little better and Yamaha fought him and fought him a little bit. Finally, they said, "Fine, you can run it." And he ran it at the last LA Coliseum race and he won. He said the the, the <laughs> he said the power of the, the the bike was so gnarly it ripped your arms out. You couldn't really ride it, and it was really fast. And the pro circuit cylinder that Mitch had done was just uh, powerful, but yet smoother, and you were able to to you know ride it consistently. And he got it, and then he he won LA Coliseum on it, and you know basically you know that was his swan song at Yamaha or whatever after after being there for for over ten years. But yeah, he was just saying it was frustrating at times to try to get the bike to work, which is kind of what you're saying also, you know? Yeah. Um, well, I I don't recall that, but I mm-hmm. you know it makes sense. I think, um, and Brock did, Brock's a great rider and uh, intelligent and and uh, he, he he's able to to understand things and, and understand the technical side, mm-hmm. so... I wouldn't doubt that. That's uh, was there any um, hard feeling? Was there any hard feelings on Brock's part when you got there because you were maybe the new number one guy and he was at the end of his career? Or how was he? Um, well, I don't know how how he felt for for that reason. Right. Um, but I know that when Brock and I were together, we had a great time. Oh, and, okay. Yeah. Um, so he's. I'm still. I still really admire and, and enjoy Brock. So, um, mm-hmm. and I hope. Likewise, you know, we we had we had fun together when we were together. We we traveled to Europe a little bit, mm-hmm. um, and um, and I think uh, it's the same with the team. You know, I, I got to work with John R. Yeah, um, and I'm a different I'm a different personality. And I, I know each each guy's got a different personality, and working together mm-hmm. with the mechanics the same as it is with the mechanic working with the rider. Right, and um. I enjoyed working with all those guys, Bob Oliver, um, um, Keith McCarty at times. Keith and I had had our struggles, but still, um, just, uh, you know, a lot of those guys um, had different roles, and you didn't really understand what they were going through. And, mm-hmm. and honestly, a motorcycle racer's character is pretty um, self-centered and pretty i mean we're we're extremely selfish people, but that's our job we have to yeah, be have to, to uh, yeah. when you're a racer um uh and if you're not you're you're not gonna um you're not gonna be tuned in and and people aren't gonna be able to 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 work with you and to be able to give you what you need so um that's it's a, actually it, that there's another term for that and it's called um focused and professional racer <laughs> um but that's what it means really. right right um, um, it is. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I know you're right. You're absolutely right. It it it, it kind of has to be that way at times, you know. Um, did you have any like you? There was still some podiums in there for Yamaha, and there was some some successful races. Do you remember one or two uh, at your time at Yamaha when you uh, when you rode really well 
and you felt you felt great. Um, I had a few few moments in there. Mm-hmm. I mean, when we first started, um, went to Japan, and and we tested some stuff in Japan. And I thought we had a couple of good things over there, and then did this Japan Supercross. Um, I had a arm pump pump night, but I I mean I made the podium there, but mm-hmm. I think I was fast enough to have won there. Um, maybe also in Paris that year, which I didn't. I had a few. I had a couple of big crashes and uh, um, and I even wrecked a bike on the parade lap trying to <laughs> re jump something that they tried to like to try to change something so you couldn't jump this oh, jump. And, okay. Uh, so I tried it on the parade lap and wiped out and um, uh, and John R had to <laughs> fix the bike real quick. Um, uh, Anaheim that year in '88 was a was maybe like in the later part of the race, you could have flipped a coin. Like if I if I made it and I didn't crash, I I might have won that race. Yeah, and, um, that's where you won the heat, right? Is that the race you won the heat at? Uh, I think I think I won the heat. Yeah, and then um, I was trying to I was trying to pass either Ricky or or Wardy, and um, crashed in the main. Mm-hmm. And um, I ended up second in the main, uh, but you know who cares? It was. Uh, we had a we had a chance to win, and um, that would have been that would have been my first race of of in America for yep. for Yamaha, and, and it was uh, just one of those things. I you know I sometimes ask God, why'd you do that to me? You know, why'd you take <laughs> why'd you that? Do one? that? Um, but uh, that was a uh, that was the start, um, and it didn't go bad right away. We we kept staying close, maybe for the first five rounds of mm-hmm. Supercross until I got hurt. And when I when I got hurt it was it was just my my attitude that kinda of got me hurt. We were doing a comparison test with uh with other bikes and mm-hmm. I, I wanted to, you know, make a statement that see this stock Honda is still better than our bike and, yeah. and uh Oh so you got hurt on a stock Honda bike at at the test track? Yeah. Oh wow. Um, I don't know if that's you know it's relevant at this point in time, but oh, I think everybody's yeah. It was a <laughs> was a comparison test, and and uh and I just yeah, I was I was frustrated, and I you know, and and, and instead of just trying to step back and be a grown up, I I was a <laughs> young young guy, and, right? Uh, but uh, you know, riding that bike uh, brought back some memories, and and I know that. It was a lot different for us racing back then. Right. Um, it it was the bike that you rode that um, had to be capable and had to be good enough to win. But it was a needed more of a rider back in those days because those things are really. I mean, any of the today's riders could go back and ride a race on one of those and be like, "Fuck this up!" You know, these are. <laughs> yeah. I can't. Short shift this thing. It doesn't jump nothing. I'm revving the, the yeah the piss out, out of it. Right. Still barely making it, you know. And um, so we we've come a long way since the, that day. Motorcycles, um, dirt bikes have come a long way since uh, the, since the eighties. The, the, uh, the bikes, the tracks. I mean, you name it. You name it. It's yeah. it's. it's uh, the, the trainers, the training programs, um, 
you know, all that kind of stuff, all that stuff. If you had, um, you had won two 135, well, Jeremy Martin's in that position right now. He's a two-time 250 motocross champion signing up. He's probably going to sign for five or $600,000 for the OEM, probably $200,000 for gear. You know, that's you. That's you. That could have been you, Mickey. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it could have been. Um, also, too, one of the things that I I thought why I wanted you on the bike, and thanks to uh, Randy Valet at Answer, your look, Mickey, was strong. Uh, pink, black, white gear, Answer gear. Um, it looked bitching for 1988. And thanks to Randy Valet, he, he kind of replicated the gear a little bit. But why did Eddie Cole go after you pretty hard also at the same time for gear? And when did you were you okay with wearing pink stuff? Were, were you cool with that? Um, you know what? Those guys did come. Uh, they kind of had their mindset that that's that's I was their guy, mm-hmm. and I and I appreciated that totally. And and because um, you were stuck wearing that Honda I, line stuff for a couple of years. Yeah, that's that's another podcast story in itself. <laughs> that one, um, but when I went to. Um, and I'm surprised I didn't go towards uh, Malcolm Smith because that's where I came from. That's yeah. where I lost yep. to ride for Honda in '87. They they pretty much uh, signed me that this is your deal for wearing this gear. So <laughs> you have um, to wear this gear, yeah. Yeah, just that I ended up over at Answer was because they came, and uh, I hadn't I hadn't sought out anything. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't go to Fox or uh, JT or anything. I. I I just answered the phone pretty much one day, and that was that was how it started. I um, I really liked those guys, so um, I think I signed for twenty grand, maybe. Uh, and yeah, I don't know if that was a yeah. Uh, I mean, for me, I was like, yeah, cool, right on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the uh, the gear itself was they already had designed it; it was already done, and um, okay. Uh, I think it fit me pretty it did. pretty well because of the, the just I was like, Yeah, that stuff's bitching and uh yeah. um so moving over there was um was was uh, not an accident, mm-hmm. but it was just they they made it happen. They they were the whoever was designing on their side yeah. was pretty awesome and um um it it was a, a good fit and it and it had great timing I guess um, and you were wearing pink but it was still kind of cool you know oh yeah um, it wasn't the black and white with the pink made it work and right um, I think during that time maybe the 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 rock the, the rock world and the and the the colors and the, mm-hmm. and that type of style was was pretty fitting. So yeah, if you really think about like uh, uh, Sunset Strip and the whiskey and all that kind of stuff, like yeah, glam rock, heavy metal, pink lipstick, hairspray, right? All that stuff was in, in rock music. Pretty much, was, yeah, yeah, um, pretty much. Right, right. No, it looked it um, looked awesome. Um, I liked some of the other stuff. They had red that was cool, and yep. um, at that time, Troy, Troy Lee had really just started to um, uh, kind of take over, mm-hmm. you know, with the, with the helmet painting, and um, 
his his paint jobs on my helmet were awesome and uh we just had a you know a, a great moment with um with uh having this great look and and the style of the bike and and, the and bike, then they yeah. started to uh yeah the bike sorry. looked cool the bike looked cool too with the big shroud on one side like for a yamaha it really stepped it out for them like it looked like their factory bike that they had in Europe at the time, the aluminum frame one and everything. So yeah, and and you know what, Ron Heben was my mechanic. Ron came up with those number sixes, um, and I I don't recall how long we got to run those. Maybe just for the year, but uh, it it was cool. And then Troy Payton sixes, and mm-hmm. um, it was a uh, it was a pretty pretty snazzy look, and. Um, also, because of my love just for riding, I, I, um, I went out and I and I and I did work hard. You know, a lot of I got a reputation for being like just a slacker, but uh, I did ride a lot, and um, and I did like to free ride a lot. So I think the 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 photos and a lot of the things that I got to do with people were. Right. Um, we're based around some of that. So you got some different twists. Instead of just seeing race photos, there was cool photos just out yep. in the berm or doing some jumps. And um, uh just loved to, to ride. So um, that was a, that was another thing that was going on at the time where it was just kind of cool to be a racer and be able to ride a motorcycle for a living. I mean, really, how how damn lucky could you be to, to be paying <laughs> to be paid big dollars to 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 be a racer? Yeah, um, a rider, and now the freestyle guys. It, the, the the evolution of uh, motorcycle racing from the '80s to now is pretty incredible. I mean, I remember. Being at a you know being at a race and I have a crash and and I have to go to the emergency room and being treated like a like a biker like a villain or a criminal <laughs> right, um, right and you know the TV package was uh, you know Monday night at two a.m. they're going to air it on this channel and and you know it's where it's it's live now and uh, um yeah that's yeah, crazy it's now, come you, a long way oh yeah. No, it has been. Now, I worked at Yamaha for four years as a mechanic, um, and John R. was there when I started. He retired halfway through my time there. And uh, Bob Oliver, Keith McCarty were there. And besides Bradshaw, I asked him the most questions probably about you. I'm um, just like, tell me about Mickey Diamond. Tell me about how it was and, you know, and, and what was he like and everything else. And the guys all had high praise for you. As a person, they're like, dude, he was so cool. He was the nicest guy ever. But a couple of guys there were like, I think he was spending too much time out with Motley Crue and those guys. And that's maybe one of the reasons why it didn't work. Now, they don't know that, but we all laughed about that because, of course, you were fr- we were buddies with those guys. But how much of that stuff was going on at the time where you were hanging out with crew and, 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 you know, maybe not focused or I, I don't know. I'm just wondering, um, because those guys are like nicest guy ever, but man, like he, I just think he was burning the candle on both ends. Uh, well, I suppose there's a little of that, but, mm-hmm. um, 
or is that the most part could be I a mean, media myth too you know what i mean one of the, the media love to play that up that you were you were the rock well, and roll guy I, I i don't know what stories they were telling you but um um probably some were true and some were not i think a lot of people talked about all kinds of um people just have imaginations they, they you know mm-hmm. i don't I don't know what they were saying and all, but I no, mean, I mean they weren't they weren't saying just, for sure. Like they weren't they weren't there. Obviously, they were just like I think he was burning the candle on both ends. You know, trying to trying to be uh, a racer, a trainer, and then also trying to um, have some good times down at the Sunset Strip area. That's all. Yeah, um, I don't. I, you know what? I didn't get to spend as many. Um, like some of those things that I've I've heard that I've done, um, and I <laughs> yeah, wish I had. You never you know, did, but, right? Right. Uh, but but uh, but just my, um, you know, no matter where I was, it, there was opportunities, and I, and I didn't, you know, once I, I'm I'm like one of those guys that's like a type A personality, so mm-hmm. um, you know, one times. Uh, too many and, and a million's not enough, you know. So <laughs> right, I got uh, right. interesting. I, I I didn't I didn't have the filter that I wish I had. Let's just put it that way. Right. And I I would have uh, I would have been better off to just focus more on 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 me and and what was important in in the long run the the racing and and mm-hmm. and that. Um, I shared with them a lot, though, motorcycles. Um, they became extremely um, big fans of, of Supercross and and motorcycles. Yeah, we, they, we yeah. rode sometimes together. I, you know, I, I remember many times that we went and rode. Um, um, but I did go to quite a few shows and 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 have fun with that. But uh, right. it was a distraction that that probably could have waited. <laughs> and, and um, but still pretty cool. Yeah, still pretty cool. <laughs> and you know what? Those, like my buddy Tommy was was you know and he is a cool guy. So mm-hmm. I mean, it, you still have to make time to to uh, to to just connect with people. And um, so if that's time that you know like you know flying home and not going home, going somewhere else for for a couple of days. That that's to burn the candle at both ends. Then okay, yes, yeah, but uh, right. Um, it wasn't as uh, crazy as I think people thought. You know, yeah, it was like oh well, they're just hanging out, and then they they ride too. So it's it's still kind of revolving around the motorcycle a bit. Um, I um I was probably one of the first riders to get Epstein Bar. So, I mean, I, I had that at Honda. And uh, so I didn't have, um, I had mm-hmm. peaks and valleys sometimes about my fitness. And um, my results were off as far as, okay, the podium seems, it's close, you know, if you yeah. finish fifth, you're, 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 you're just off the podium technically. Yeah. Um, but uh, we didn't we didn't have the results outdoors, and outdoor season was a lot longer. And um, we didn't uh, we didn't post up good results outdoors. And I think for a lot of reasons, mm-hmm. fitness might have been a, a player, but also 
the performance of that bike outdoors, it it wasn't, you know, nobody was just killing it on that thing. It was like, man, you know, Duvok, Stanton, mm-hmm. myself, Brock, um, were having a lot harder time in the 250 class than uh, maybe Craig and uh, Bradshaw. And then they had LaRocco, too. So, um, you know, you should talk to Mike about that that time with those bikes, you know, maybe well, it'll give you a different I think when impression. You, <laughs> when you, well, hey, when you look at history, uh, Holland gets on a Suzuki and gets on the Honda. Stanton goes from Yamaha to Honda. You go from Honda to Yamaha. Um, uh, Jeff Lees goes from um, Yamaha in 87 to Honda in 88. Whenever you looked at history of the sport, whoever got on the Honda got better results. Whoever got off the Honda got worse results. That's just, I mean, there's so many examples of that. And it's not a Yamaha thing. It's its the other three, you know. Um, the Hondas were just that good, I think. I think we don't realize that. They were just, whether it was the testing, like you said, or the, the, the bikes themselves, it's just one of those things. Yeah. You know, you can... You can totally look at that. So, yes, um, and that's not a coincidence. There's no doubt. <laughs> it's not. No. It's not just you. It was multiple guys. I mean, that whole '88 year, you beat Stanton for the most part in '88, uh, almost all the time, and and then they Stanton gets on a Honda, and you don't see him in '89. Like, see you later. You know. So, yeah. I mean, some of it's due to Jeff, um, Jeff and his work and everything else, but you know, that's that's, that's an example. Yes, you know, and I, I, um, I got to ride with uh, with Jeff a lot at Yamaha, and he and he, he knows too. So uh, yeah, no, he, he he's it, talked it's about a, it. <laughs> it's not a secret, really, among riders that is that that were in that situation. Um, but honestly, it was a it was a it was a good time for racing, and um, I think uh, you know the. The life that I had around racing was was a pretty good one. Um, I wish I knew uh, then just a fraction of what I know now. And you know, um, there's a, there's the possibility that you could have had a much longer career than than mm-hmm. was believed at that time. I mean, really, at that time, you're like, well, I got a couple of years to do this, and then uh, I got to get you know, a job or whatever. <laughs> right? It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> it's nuts when you think about uh, it. Hey, thanks for listening to the BTOsports.com RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing. Race tech people, racetech.com. These guys have been in business for over 30 years, supplying racers, riders, and tuners with factory-level suspension to everyday racer. There's a lot of top suspension guys in the pits that got their start with race tech. Uh, trust me on this. There's a, more than a few guys that have learned underneath Paul Feed and gone on to, uh, to great things. Paul Feed, the original suspension guru. I guarantee you, Eh, probably 82.7% of you people listening to this podcast need some sort of suspension work, whether it's uh, just a simple oil change with new bushings and seals, give your bike some love, whether it's the right spring rate for your weight and or speed, 
or maybe you just need some revalving on the machine to uh, help you uh, take first place in that Chicken Licks Raceway. Something, something uh, on your bike needs attention for Race Tech. I guarantee you. Freeze, Gilmore, some of the guys just using uh, Race Tech Privateer Proven. They work with uh, Ben LeMay also. They're back with Ben LeMay, and uh, they offer a full line of Race Tech high performance springs. These springs are called high performance because they're extremely lightweight for their rates and feature the tightest tolerances in the industry. You want to save 10%? At uh, Racetech, go to Pulp MX 2015 when you order. You can save 10% at Racetech.com, and they're uh, proud sponsors of this podcast, and we thank you guys. All right, back to the show. Michelin tires are back, people. MichelinMotorcycle.com. Michelin Starcross 5, brand new, available in hard, medium, soft, and sand. Uh, their off-road tires are some of the best ones out there, and they've revamped this whole lineup. There's no one who knows these tires better than our own, Chris Kiefer. When they're calling it comfort casing technology, what are they talking about? Is this a fancy marketing term or what? No, it's actually the carcass of the tire itself, so how much it flexes or how you know sidewall stiffness that you have when you come into corners. And what's cool about this tire is even from the previous version, the MH3, it gives more. So when you hit square edge or you're coming out of a corner with some bumps, it has some give to it. It's more comfort, so it doesn't feel so rigid. A lot of that has to do with the the CCT. So you're telling me the comfort casing at the end of the day, maybe it helps you a little bit to have some suspension in tires. Yeah, obviously it's flexing a little bit, but also, too, when you come into corners, you don't want it to roll on you. So they've got that dialed in to where you come into a corner and you still have enough stiffness where it grabs and bites, but yet straight line, you have comfort. Hey, as a former factory mechanic, Kiefer, I know all about mounting tires, um, so no problem for me to mount anything. Right. Well, maybe not a moose. Uh, you found mounting these new Michelin's uh, pretty easy, actually. Yeah, I'm a great test rider, but my mechanic skills are novice at best, so mounting the tire wasn't too bad. They sent me a bunch of tires to mount before testing, and I was out there busting in the garage, and normally you got to put some tires in the sun, let them soften up a little bit, but this, uh, the bead rolls on really nice. I didn't have to struggle. No curse words were, were sworn in the garage, so uh, it was a lot better for me you know, putting these on. Four versions of this tire they cover all the uses, Kiefer, reduced weight, comfort casing technology, mounting, traction, handling. They do it all. Starcross 5, MichelinMotorcycle.com. Thank those guys. Check them out at the local dealer people. These guys know tires and they know what they're doing. Like RJ and yeah. Wardy. RJ and Wardy were the only guys back then that didn't really need a job. And they had long careers and they won a ton of races. And, you know, they were 1-2 for a long time. Everyone else... Dogger, you, Glover, you know, had to get a job. It just, it just, it wasn't like it was now. And you guys were the best in the world. You know, you were top five in the world. And yeah, yeah it was well, one of those I, I was like, um, you know, those guys, their longevity in this sport is, is quite amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, anybody's longevity in this sport is, is, um, is well earned. And, there's some luck and there's some um there's some just timing involved and and just lucky mm-hmm. stuff yeah. that, that that gets you through things but it's just a, a matter of making the right decision at the right moment in a flash and um it is uh, amazing the the um contribution that Wardy and and RJ um McGrath a lot of these guys um, Ricky Carmichael, they've they've done with this sport, and um, um, it's it's not an easy sport 
it's not a easy thing to um, to do well to last yeah for a very long time and it's it's practically impossible <laughs> to go without injuries to mm-hmm. go without mental challenges and psychological uh, you know walls and barriers to to get through to to just keep doing it and um uh that's that's kind of overlooked you know like the the new um the new generation is even harder and it and it appears like man your window is even smaller um and to to have the longevity that uh Dungey's having and and the and the the peak that he's on right now mm-hmm. um it's 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 a big world, so maybe it's a small matter that we're a little uh, humans and we're riding dirt bikes over mounds of dirt. But um, <laughs> just the thing that that um, that it takes to continue to do it and to be good at it and to keep making the right decisions so you're fit enough and you're you're eating right and you're taking care of business and you mm-hmm. don't have anything in the back of your mind that's 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 gonna booby trap you. Right. Um, it's, it's quite amazing. So um, I I see that all of the the um, the survivors in this sport are um, um, they're kind of like you're kind of like brethren. You know, you're you have right. a secret bond, and yeah. um, I don't have that with with those guys. I mean, sure. I love to see Wardy and uh, I see Osho every now and then, and I just love those guys because you just you're just like old army veterans, <laughs> right, right. You know? yeah, from back and, um, yeah, I see it. Yeah. Um, I don't know many of the new guys, but I get to meet them every now and then, like on a bicycle ride or something. But mm-hmm. um, it's uh, yeah. one thing that's. I, I love yeah. them guys. I love watching them on the Supercross. And, you know, and I'm, I'm sorry there's not one this weekend because um, I, I have a weekend at home this weekend. Oh, jeez. Um, but, uh, it's um it's a great sport. It's a great life to to be a motorcycle racer and um yeah, I'm still kind of regretful of many things because I wish I would have made some other decisions uh, mm-hmm. during my career, but uh thanks for dragging up all those memories. Uh, Mickey, hey, you got two national <laughs> hey, you got two national titles, bro. That's uh like that's something that many many people cannot say. Like that's still pretty damn cool and pretty impressive uh, to, you know, outdoor titles are not easy to win. And, uh, and you got two of them. So, uh, you know, you this know. other thing, I, the motorcycle community has grown and, and spread out a little bit um, to where we're connected with road racing. We're connected with dirt track and everybody's kind of, you know, the X games maybe have brought these things together. Um, but uh, I've been able to step out of my comfort zone and ride other things. Mm-hmm. I got to do a Baja 1000, and uh, I've raced at Pikes Peak, and I've I've been on a road race bike, and um, Supermoto came around, and I mm-hmm. got to do that. So, yeah. uh, and I'm still kind of dabbling in, in that. So I, I um, I've been able to do some things that are um, uh, pretty pretty interesting and way out of my comfort zone, but are still amazing. And uh, and that goes back to um, you know I w- I've th- lived through that time when when it it was more specific and uh, um, and it was evolving. I mean it was changing fast and uh, it was cool. Um, so uh, 
Let's, Thanks for getting me out there to. Uh, yeah, let's talk about that a little bit. What? So uh, before we wrap it up, you show up at Milestone. I think you were more stoked on the gear, Mickey, than the bike. <laughs> I think you were, uh, <laughs> you, were, you were more happy with that with with answer uh, and and relayed and getting you. Uh, I think they they did a good job. It stuff looked good. It does. Um, I think I got more recently. Like people are like, man, I saw those photos. That's that's awesome. And uh, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I liked it. And I and I um, I just appreciate everything that you did. Yeah, that's a pretty good project and. I think a lot of people enjoyed it, and uh, it, it came out good. That bike actually was fun to ride, and and to be honest, like I only rode for twenty minutes or so. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if you noticed, but I was like, I I needed to go, but I was like, well, you sure you got enough photos there? Are you sure you don't <laughs> want me to ride some more? <laughs> I was ready to maybe ride a little bit more. Well, yeah, but, um, our guy had to leave. Our, our photographer guy had to leave. Otherwise, <laughs> yeah, he yeah. was gone. Like, I know. Yeah. Trust me, it's it's a little bit of a sensitive subject with me. Um, but um, because yeah, I mean, you hadn't ridden a lot of moto, you said. So you know, the first kind of thing I thought was like a warm up, and then you'd go out and maybe you know feel a little bit more comfy. And then our our guy had to go, yeah. and I'm like, oh, okay. Um, yeah, yeah. Hey, how and how sweet was it that Heben, your old mechanic, got me the template, the actual template that he used in '88, and uh, I replicated the numbers. I was, I think, I was more stoked on that one move than anything else. <laughs> anything else, I had the numbers. I had the real numbers that you used. <laughs> yeah, those are pretty awesome. Uh, you know, that's just another, over at Yamaha. I got to know Ron, and Ron's like a lifetime friend now. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> And he really tried to uh, uh, keep me focused, keep me training. He trained with me, and I was like, ah, and I rode all day. I don't want to run, you know, but uh, we have a good relationship still, and um, I miss those guys, you know, and I try to keep track of what everybody's doing, and, you know, this world gets kind of uh, reality in this world has its moments where it's just kind of hard to take and uh that that's a constant you know with Mm -hmm. some of these guys they're just um they're just great guys and um you know you you grow through things and share share a lot of um history and and your life has a uh they made a big imprint in Mm -hmm. my life so um those things or just for me to show up and, and have Ron have contributed something. Yeah, kind of like, that's what I yeah, thought, too. That's right. pretty, yeah. pretty much that's Ron for you. Yeah, he you was know? stoked. Yeah, I sent him photos uh, that afternoon, and uh, he was happy. He was stoked. He thought it was awesome. And um, Yeah, he's a you know? pretty awesome guy. Yeah. Um, the bike itself, it was, it was bone stock, so it was far off your factory bike, but... Um, did it at all bring back memories? Did anything like you know? It's obviously it's thirty years ago, so I'm not trying to like, you know, get you. Uh, to, but did did it did it feel? Do you remember like anything at all, or was it just kind of a, an old eighty eight bike that you had to ride? No, you know, um, honestly, the tracks now. You go to the track and the track's smooth and it's graded and it's watered. <laughs> yeah, you know, know. They, didn't, they didn't have that back in the day. You know, you you weren't you didn't even go to the motocross track all the time. You went to some place that was had whoops that were there for twenty years before you showed up. <laughs> yeah. And so the track's pretty smooth, but that bike 
you're you're just wringing its neck to make make power and um you can't ride it like a new bike you know but uh once you figured it out it's 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 a lot it's a lot more shifting and mm-hmm. and you're 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 trying to go in deeper to the corners because you're not making the same miles per hour so um and I don't even ride that much. So I, 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 I think the last time I did a motocross ride day at that track was like with Pingree in like 2010, maybe. I don't oh, know, maybe 11. But uh, it's been many years. And I think the last time I was out at, uh, you know, I, I, I've done a few motocross days. And in fact, last year I did one in France. For a yeah, talk memorial about talk for about a, that a little bit. Rider. Yeah, talk about that a little bit. That was a really cool story. Yeah, you know, um, when I went to Paris in in 1986, I rode for Honda. Um, I was a late entry, so Honda had already had bikes for for Ricky and 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 Bailey, um, and a, a motorcycle shop over there that was more or less. I, I see them as like a European French version of pro circuit Mm -hmm. um they gave me a brand new bike one of their brand new showroom bikes to to use at paris and um um this guy his name was moreau and his shop's called moreau and and they did a lot in france um they were a importer for pro circuit so they they had a connection with america and um they supplied me with a bike. I went over there and I had the best Paris Supercross ever. Um, I won one night, and then the other night I could have won, I think, and the motor broke, but mm-hmm. I still milked it around for two laps and I got second. So, But I destroyed a motor, and they had to replace <laughs> it. And this guy just kind of came out of pocket and did a lot for me. And at the time, I didn't know any better. Yeah. So it yeah. was just like, well, that's just how it goes. And uh, thank you, and I took my winnings, and I flew home on Monday and many years later he passed away um, his widow put together an event over there called uh, Tribute to Moreau and he was a well respected and well loved guy in France so he has a a big support system and many riders showed up and Jean-Michel Bale and um, Jackie Vimon's brother and um bale's brother christian and a lot of european guys mm-hmm. guys that i raced with over there too so the first year i couldn't go and the second year um i had to make a decision and uh and go and and do it for the right reasons and i so i did and and i went and i had a blast and i rode an 86 honda um for the weekend and and i saw andre mallard and um, a bunch of other racers, um, uh, um, Carvella, who is a trainer for, for yeah. French riders to come over. Um, he and I, uh, were at the same hotel. I didn't get to know him at all in the eighties, but he was pretty stylish. Yeah, with, he was with JT. And, yep. and anyway, um, got to know some people and, um, then now they're asking me to go back, you know, and, and I, um, I get to do a lot of things for the adventure that just really don't add up to much um, money. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, you're like, can I get can I get paid a little bit here, guys? <laughs> yeah, uh, but you, you can't ask to get paid, you know, for something like that. It's uh, yeah. it, it's it's hard 
to yeah. uh, say no. And um, anyway, I'm trying to figure out how to make that work again. But, yeah, you wrote uh, an 86 CR 125 there, and you said you were just kind of putting around, and all of a sudden it was like, hey, wait a minute, this thing's actually not bad. Um, it was a 250. 250, okay. But, yeah, you're um, right. yeah. I, uh, and it was at a, a, a track that was um, maybe 2000. I don't know what year it was, uh, the racetrack that they had the, the, the trophy donations at. And, um, so it had some pretty good sized jumps yeah. and uphills and stuff like that. And a lot of rocks. And, uh, it was when Pastrana rode, um, the trophy donations. Oh yeah. Um, on that track. Yeah. That was the same track that I went to then. Uh, the, it was back yeah. there in 2010. We went there in 2010 too. 2010. Uh, it was yep. uh, St. John Angeli. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It was, um, it was it was it rained pretty much every day, but the sun came out. The sun was out when I got there, and then it rained. But it wasn't that bad in the rain. Rocky tracks seem to work out when it's raining. I don't know why, but uh, it just the, the yeah. water sifts through, I guess, better, so yeah. it doesn't puddle up as much. And um, and it was awesome. I uh, had a blast. And yeah. um, be careful, because you're going to end up back at the. Uh, the uh, vet des nations in England here. Someone will contact you. <laughs> You're gonna tell someone. Well, I, 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 I did see uh, the guy that promotes that cave um, over there, and um, we had talked a couple times before. And I, again, I, I don't ride that much, mm-hmm. so um, you know I can ride around for a couple laps and have a good time. But uh, it's it's a whole different thing to to do that. Yeah, you know, those guys. There's still guys who take that shit serious. Yeah, um, yeah. Dogger told me it's a little. <laughs> it, Dogger told me it's a little too intense. It's a little too much. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't know. It, it's same with supermoto. If I if I I can show up and do a supermoto and, and it's not so bad, you know. Right, um, right. But I'm still not like. I don't expect to. to uh, you know, over here I can expect to be on the podium, but like if I go to a a real supermoto over in Europe, where they're the the, the guys, the pro series over in Europe, is yeah. different than us over here. It's rebuilding over here. Yeah, and, hopefully um, it comes back. It was so cool, you know, when when Ping and you and, and everyone was doing it. Um, we had moto guys dropping into it here and there. That was a really cool thing. The supermoto guys had going on. It sucks that it's kind of kind of gone away, but yeah, it's kind of trying to come back. I see the AMA series is still going a little bit. So yeah, you know. Um, Matt Stewart is the the manager of that series, and he's he's stuck it out for the last three or so years. And um, they have some TV now. Um, Greg White's got a a show that's going to air on Mav TV and cover some of the races this year. Um, I'm hoping that I can make a couple happen for myself, and um, it just depends on work schedule and all. But uh, right. I I really I really enjoy riding supermoto on a on a good day. There's not a better uh, feeling than riding hard on the pavement with a bike that's working good and yeah, backing it in, so. coming in. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. It's pretty pretty cool sight. Well, um, Mickey, thank you for doing the uh, Racer X podcast presented by Fox Racing. Um, thank and more importantly, thanks for your time coming out and uh, giving us some of your time and writing it. The video will be dropping on RacerX online soon and magazine stories coming out with it as well. And thanks to Randy Vallade at Answer. Uh, 
um, for making that gear and all the all the people that helped me build the bike and you know parts and things like that and Heben and and all that man it was really cool I appreciate you uh, you know like I said taking time to come come and do that for us it's awesome well thanks for having me um, and then on a parting note I, I didn't mention it but I've written a book and um, uh, it's called Legends of the Road and uh, it's a mixture of cycling and motorcycle racing um, but it's from Pikes Peak and it's a it's uh, been a labor of uh, many hours uh, mm-hmm. and i I'm really happy with where I'm at at this time with it, but I'm hoping that it's going to be out very soon. And um, yeah, look for that. I'll try to get yeah, a copy as soon as it, when when it comes it, out. We'll we'll talk about yeah. it. We'll promote it in the magazine online and everything else. Get you in another interview and everything else to to help it. You were telling me about it at at, at Milestone, and I mean, you did a race across America on a bicycle, and then one week later you went to Pikes Peak. And if you really want to talk about the juxtaposition of of, of two two sports or two a- athletic activities that couldn't be any different. It's probably those two things, and uh, and you wrote yeah. about it. And, well, yeah, talk about stepping out of your comfort zone. Right. That's uh, those are pretty. They're just amazing events themselves, and um, and it's it's just a it's been a a great experience and um this time i thought i would write about it because i've just bounced to the next project to the next project to the next project and that's kind of been my life so um i have uh some other you know some other things to share and uh, i think it would be an interesting read for anybody but especially from a, a moto guy that that uh you know is just uh is just singular focused um, to see that, uh, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of exciting things out there. Yeah, no, it's a, it should be interesting. Um, I'm looking forward to, to getting it, uh, send it to me and, 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 uh, when you can, when you get it done and if you want some, uh, want me to read it or whatever, I can offer you some, uh, some thoughts on it. I think it'd be, I think it'd be interesting for sure. Like I said, so, um, thank you for, uh, for coming out, man, and riding the bike. That was awesome to see you out there. And, Few people I know in the pits told me like oh, I did a double take. I'm like, is that Mickey Diamond on an, on an old '88? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so I think people thought it was pretty sweet when you were just riding out in the pits. Even they're like, I saw him, and I'm like, who is that guy? He's got Diamond's jersey on. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, yeah it was really that Mickey was, Diamond. That was pretty awesome. Well, thank you, Steve. Yeah, thanks. Was, uh, I appreciate it, man. It was a pleasure. All right, talk to you soon, man. Okay. Bye. See you, buddy. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Steve Mathis Show presented by Fox Racing. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Storbeck is that he never said sorry. Because Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunis. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil cylinders as a 
factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And Magoo was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right. And, right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't have been, you know, yeah. if, if it hadn't have been there. The Hurricane Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think yeah. he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Holland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? Right. They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home, and once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take their money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, like being a dead horse, I mean, you know, and I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Pro Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I pulled pit and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. It's been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny O'Mara. Stuff that you could you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride it, you just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in. I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes Store to enjoy these and over 800 great motocross podcasts. Hey, hey,